mindfulness mode. If we thrive to wanting to be different than who we are, we will not get up. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to the show. Today, we are with a holistic mentor. He's a practitioner of Andean shamanism. He helps to transform people's lives by transforming their adversity into opportunities. So I'm really excited to talk today with our guest. Our guest is Rodolfo D'Angeli. Rodolfo, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. What does mindfulness mean to you, yes, Rodolfo? Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me, oh. what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, presence, right? Presence, being right here, right now. Yeah. Taking it all in. So uh, definitely didn't live my life like that for <laughs> until probably 40 and something. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad to be here with you today, Bruce, and I really appreciate you for that. Yeah, and I'm glad to be here with you as well. So I know you have had some adversities in your life yourself. You have had some challenges that you needed to work on and to heal. Uh, are you able to tell us a little bit about that rocky road that you've been living on? Sure, it will be it will be an honor to do so. Um, so life, life, uh, you know, was was quite a journey until until forty was kind of like one chapter of my life. From forty one onwards to here, that, that brings me to to speak with you has been uh, quite another chapter, which is which is uh, which I'm glad happened. But you know, as you well know, we we wouldn't be able to be here if there was nothing before that that actually got us to take a specific step in our life, right? Right. So for me, in my life, you know, I was abandoned at six months old, and my parents decided to give me away, and uh, so I grew up until 11 years old with uh, foster parents and um and so I, I i barely saw my parents i would you know they would sometimes come past and see me i guess it was a a a, a way for them to not feel too bad um so they would come and visit me here and there but uh but yeah i was away from home until 11 years old wow. i was uh eventually sexually abused and going through all of that kind of stuff um, and eventually, you know, came back home at 11, moved out very early. And I was 19 when I moved out and got married just a couple of years later. I sped up everything possible, right, to um, to kind of like find myself. I didn't know for a long time in my life. I didn't really know who I was. I always thought I, I wasn't good enough. I mean, my parents didn't want me. So, you know, th there has to be a reason for that. And as you well know, we can... Uh, go into our minds and and make our own stories up, right? Which is definitely something I did. Um, my marriage lasted only four months uh, of that. You know, walked into the room, my wife with someone else. And so for me, you know, life was, okay, is this what life is about? Is like, uh, is there an end of this? Is there a break in all of this? Um, and, you know, my, my poor awareness, definitely no mindfulness, um, got me to um, travel a path uh, that perhaps, um, yeah, it was more of a way for me to escape the pain that I was in. And uh, and I wanted to be seen at all costs. And so I, I joined a group of people that were not uh, having definitely my best interest and eventually ended up in prison uh, because of some mistakes that I did and uh, needed to pay for. From there onwards, and I'm spitting this up because I don't want to bore uh, and you or your audience um you know I, I i believed okay well i'm gonna leave europe and i'm gonna travel over to australia you know mm -hmm. just before that 
in a very random kind of uh, funny way. Um, working on a friend's laptop in 2001, there was a chat box that opened up. You know, you and I both know the the ancient ways of, of the internet and so on. So the little chat box popped up and it was a, a, a lady that reached out and, you know, there was the early, early chatting kind of thingy stuff. And um, and that uh, that person was Grace, which is my wife today, and she's oh. she was uh, and is from Australia. So, I think you know, as as you and I, I, I believe I can say that we believe in higher consciousness, something bigger than us, something that is structuring this path. Right? I think that's something threw me a lifeline, you know, and um, and um, which I took with both hands, really. And a couple of years later, I moved down here from Europe. But the move down here was, to be honest, there was a part of love involved, but there was a bigger part of escapism, okay? For me, it was like, okay, uh, life here is hard. Everybody wants me, everybody's looking for me, you know, this, that, the other. I need to get out of here, you know, and I get a new start, a fresh start. How many of us have ever said, I need a fresh start, I need it now, right? So I jump on this Qantas airplane and then I arrive in, arrive in Melbourne, Australia, August 2003, and life was amazing, Bruce. Life was like, uh, wow, you know, this is how breathing feels like, this is how... No anxiety feels like this is how it feels like nobody's looking for you, right? Yet, um, I um, I discovered very quickly within six to eight months after that, after the novelty of a new job, of a new place, of a new house, and new environment and friendships, and so on. Once that kind of faded away, um, life came. I have came back and knocked at the door, you know, and today I make the analogy as you and I go into a beautiful restaurant and we have a beautiful conversation and we have a beautiful meal, couple of drinks perhaps, and really enjoying and, and the last service, a beautiful dessert and we're enjoying all of that. But now it's time to go home, right? But there is something that needs to happen before that can happen and that is paying the bill. Mm-hmm. You can't get out of the restaurant without paying the bill. And right. I realized at that moment that life served me the bill. Okay. It's like, okay, you got a new beginning. You got everything new, but there is some stuff here you haven't paid for. And now it's the time. So here is your check. Mm-hmm. Please pay up. Again, not aware, uh, not mindful for sure. Um, very rebellious about engaging with my past and all of that, very much resistance. And so I tried to avoid this particular step that I needed to take. And so my anxiety, depression, and everything that I was already suffering with, you know, took that next step. And uh, um, fast forwarding to 2010, I'm in my garage trying to commit suicide. Oh, wow. And I was was, um, at the end of all of this, right? and yet, again, you know, at that stage, I'm I'm married already. You know, I'm I'm, I'm about to be married. Actually, it was it was mid year 2010. Mm-hmm. We got married in uh, 28th of October 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a moment where I am farewelling my wife from inside my garage, right from a from a window at the back of my garage. I looked into my lounge room 
but from the outside you couldn't see in. It was kind of like you know one of those mirrored windows, and and so they couldn't see in. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm remembering of seeing my wife on the couch watching TV and. My mindset is 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 ready, you know. I'm out. I'm out of here, you know. Yeah. And at that moment, she, whatever she was watching, I don't remember, but it made her laugh out, like literally, like hysterical, right? Yeah. And it literally stopped me in my track, and and this thought came in my mind. The thought said, "There has to be more to life than misery." Right. Yeah. And 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 for me, it was like, wow, there has to be more to life than misery. I know what that is, man, because it's been like this for for a long freaking time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I realized, you know what? I, I want to find out what that is. I want to I want to know what that is. And so I came in and explained what was going on with me. And 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 it was that moment, the first time in my life, I was forty one years old, where I understood one very important fact, and that is that sometimes you just need help. Yes. You know, is that Sometimes. moment of saying, hey, you know what, I'm uh, I'm drowning here. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I might, I might you know, allow myself to say, you and I, uh, I'm not sure, but, you know, we're both males and males don't cry, right? Males right. sort it out. Males, yeah. come on, step yeah. it up. And, yeah. uh, you know, hold it in and don't speak and say right. nothing. Don't be weak, you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I tried to do all of that. Yeah. And like many of, of the people listening here, you know, I have tried everything, you know, the medication and the psychiatrist and the psychologist and the therapist. I had tried it all. I had the coach. I had all of that stuff. I had a company who was turning over seven figures. So money wasn't the issue, but there was a big void. And so... Eventually, a couple of years in from my start of my journey to um, to heal and, and, and trying all these things, eventually I stumbled on shamanism, on Andean and Amazonian shamanism. So tell me what that is, Andean shamanism. Right. Okay. So Andean shamanism is a practice, obviously, originated from the Andes. Mm -hmm. And um, um, the practice I follow, the practice I I now today practice and I am initiated in is a 3,500 year old uh, practice out of the high end. It's probably about a, let's say 11 and a half, 12 hour drive north central Peru out of Lima. Okay. And um, the, 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 the practice was initiated by a culture called Chavin and Chavin was a culture of consciousness. It was a con it was a culture of, they didn't have military. They didn't have any weaponry. They didn't have anything. It was just this um, uh, work, the the consciousness work that they did with a master plant medicine called Wachuma, and um, and you know through the um, archaeological sites and all the things that that um, were found in Chavin, we know that people traveled and pilgrimed down from Central America all around South America, as far as the Galapagos Islands, they would go on this pilgrimage down Chavi. And so I um, met my teacher who, who before was the facilitator of my own journey, of my own healing and years and years and years of this process um, to find myself, to, to, to understand, to, to heal and so on and so forth. Uh, and eventually, you know, um, 
started to teach me, started to teach me all of the things he he learned. And you know, Master Howard Lawler was uh, um, in his seventies already, and and you know devoted his life forty plus years uh, to to shamanism. And um, I had a construction company, Bruce. I couldn't care less about shamanism. All I wanted to do is heal. All I wanted to do, you know, is become the husband that my my wife deserved and become, you know, um, I guess the person who I always strive to be, but didn't know how. Eventually, you know, one time, two times, three times, the question came about me wanting to learn, which my answer was always no. I lived in Australia. <laughs> the, uh, the, the place I needed to stay was uh, was Peru. So, so many things that didn't work. Right. Um, but eventually, you know, it was it was not more than asking. Now it was a a now it was a fir- affirmation. You know, it was uh-huh. like I'm not asking you to do this. This is what you will do. And and so the journey completely took a different turn. Um, and yeah, so from from healing from years and years and years of going down my own path, then you know I started to learn. And today, I've been uh, I've been the only person, a part of Master Howard Lawler, to actually hold retreats and ceremonies at the Spirit Quest Sanctuary in Peru. Um, and now I've been serving my own ceremonies since late 2017. And, um, you know, and uh, I have had the pleasure, the honor and the privilege to work and bring people through the same practices, literally changed my life, saved my life, turned me into a man, whatever I can say, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that came from it and being able to do that for, for many others. I want to ask you to tell me about one of the retreats that you've had and what's, what's it like spending a day on a retreat with Rodolfo D'Angeli. What's it like? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Well, first of all, it's a lot of fun for sure. You know, the retreat is usually five nights, six days. The people gather, you know, and we gather around on Tuesday at 1, 1 p.m. And then we leave uh, to go back home on Sunday around 12. Um, so we are going through a five-night experience, six-day experience uh, with three ceremonies. Um, so the first ceremony is on Tuesday, second ceremony is on Thursday, and the third ceremony is on Saturday. We always have a day in between where then we do sharing circles and make sure the people um, do not integrate only when we go home, but also on the during the process and making sure the people are going through um what they what they um you know are shown, what they what they uh, come across and and all of those things. Um, the ceremony is extremely powerful, can be between eight and 14 hours. Uh, it's not a hallucinogenic experience. Wachuma is not a hallucinogenic experience uh, per se, but it's a very in- introspective experience. So the vision, um, which is very different than a, an hallucination, a hallucination is, is, you know, the creation of the plant medicine and, and particular parts of that plant medicine that in will create colors and and what pretty much the pseudo spiritual world is is striving for and telling of, of the colors and the, the the experience and all of that in reality shamanism has nothing to do with that shamanism you can you can pretty much compare to the sacredness of your first kiss oh to the to the person you loved so much meaning 
you know, if you go back in time and you think about the person who you kissed first, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you never or very rarely ex expressed and shared that particular experience. Why? Because it's very personal. It's very deep. It's very sacred. It's something you keep in your heart, right? Right. And shamanism is the same thing. So the shamanic experience, the deep to the core shamanic experience is not shared. The shamanic experience is lived because the experience per se is easy. No matter how challenging that experience can be, it's easy. Every, you know, after eight or 14 hours, it's done. You know, after okay. five nights, six days, we're going home. It's all over. Right. The real ceremony is this, the one that we are here right now. Right? You got to be mindful. You got to be aware what is going on. What is this that is coming up? What is the challenge that life is bringing to me? What is this, right? So shamanism is not about escaping because that's a lot of what's happening today in the pseudo-spiritual world. Life is unbearable. Let me escape into this experience. Let me just, you know, in a clicky environment and then let's all talk about how many colors we saw and hopefully I saw more colors than you. Um, shamanism is very introspective, very, very, very lonely journey. Of course, you are surrounded by amazing, beautiful people that are usually exactly the people you need right there. Right. But it's very much your experience. You know, it's it's that moment where you go into yourself and you go and see what the truth really is, which is really what mindfully is about, right? It's yes, truth, it is. Right? Yeah, it and is. And so shamanism is, is, is that. And so when people come, we bring them through this journey of let them stay present and if sometimes, you know, the medicines or the practice might want to bring something that you need to see, and sometimes people want to turn their head to not watch that, we make sure to point them in the direction and have a look. It's not there to hurt you. It's not there to, 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 to harm you. It's just there to show you a part of yourself that you need to embrace because without it, you will have a void that yeah, you will try to right. refill in some other way. Rodolfo, could you tell us about someone that attended one of your retreats and how their life was transformed? Oh, God. Good Lord. That's, wow. That's a, oh, good Lord. Um, wow. Countless. Um, ancientceremonies.org. These videos, there is reviews. It's, it's mind-blowing. From people who, um, you know, we, we, we talk from, from people with trauma, to depression, anxiety, psychosis, um, cancer, um, skin diseases and, and different things, um, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, um, you know, people going home with a different understanding, you know, a different understanding. Okay, this is who I am. I'm not what happened to me. Right. I'm not. I'm not the label. Do you always hold your retreats in Peru? No, we do hold to, uh, some retreat in Australia as well. Okay. And every so often, we uh, we bring people on a pilgrimage with they get the they get the um the opportunity not just work with me but actually to with the people who I actually work with. So it's a very special kind of thing. Our next retreat actually to Peru is actually getting getting organized at the moment, and I think it will be something down the line of late, late, mid, late May. Oh, will so, it? So, um, yeah, we haven't had one for a, for a little while. 
Yeah, Rodolfo, what's the website where we learn about that? Um, ancientceremonies.org. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we can find out about that there. About how many people do you usually have attend one of your retreats? Great question. We only work with max 10 people. Okay. Oftentimes, half of them. Oftentimes, two people. Oh. Sometimes four, sometimes seven. Uh, max we would allow in into the space is 10 people we want to keep it very traditional sure we um we don't uh, you know we have quite a, a bit of guidelines i should say rather than rules mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the person is coming for the right reasons and so we jump with every single person who uh wants to participate we jump on a call for about an hour and an hour and a half we really want to make sure that the person is coming for the right intention and it's not like okay i have this thing on the bucket list or um you know i i heard about it and now i want to go and see what it is um not much like that so the intention has to be very clear um so that we can have the right people in our group and the intention is literally the one thing that will get you through any challenge when they would come. Now, it doesn't mean that the person coming to a retreat might go through, you know, something as crazy as an ego uh, recalibration or all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, like my teacher would always say, it's not if you get challenged, it's when you get challenged. Okay, Rodolfo, have you ever had anybody apply to go to your retreat and you turned them down? A hundred percent. Oh, you have? One hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because they wanted to go for the wrong reasons. What would those wrong reasons be? Wrong reasons is, um, again, experience. I want to just experience this. You know, I heard about it, so I want to see what it is. There was no, there was no um, evident. Okay, let me, let me, let me make the analogy. I, I love metaphorical ways of explaining things. That's mm-hmm. probably the way what Chuma does does explain and teach things as well. It's always metaphorical. But imagine you go to the, you know, let, let's say I, I, you know, God forbid, broken leg, and I got to go to the hospital. And you, my best friend, are bringing me to the hospital, correct? Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm going through this, the whole process. You're waiting, and I'm going through, and they check, and they say, okay, cool, you're Rodolfo, you're going to stay here for, you know, 24, 48 hours, and we gotta, we got to do the process, whatever, whatever. And now you come in and say, hey, guys, sorry, um, by the way, could you put, um, could you please put another bed next to Rodolfo? Because I'm going to stay here as well for 48 hours. Doctor would say there's no need for you to come here. You, you're not sick. So you go home, right? Same thing in a ceremony. If there is nothing that really needs you to go through this experience, it's not the right place for you. Right. And what is the cost to go to one of the doesn't mean that you don't have something to work on, but because you're not conscious about it, it's not the right time for you. What is the cost to go on one of the retreats? The cost is $2,995 in Australia. Is um, is that U.S. funds or? No, that's Australian dollars. Okay. In Australia. Okay. For Peru, different different price tag. Okay. Also a different experience, obviously, because you know there be there be travel and there be a lot of other things involved. But usually right. here's two thousand nine ninety five. Okay. AUD, but that's not just for the retreat. So, people come on a retreat. They start working with us one week prior. Oh, do they? So we make sure. 
we we dial into their intention and mm -hmm. we make sure they have all their answers or questions answered. We make sure they have the support pre-retreat and so on. Mm -hmm. Then they come onto the retreat, which is all-inclusive accommodation, food practices, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then they are with us for another three weeks after that. Oh, are they? We make sure, yeah, absolutely. We make sure the integration process is on point. They have all their questions answered. They stay within the community that they spent six days with. They can share what's going on, what life is, you know, how life is changing, right. what things that are the mindfulness part, right? Yeah. What is changing? What is right. happening? Sure. What is the resistance? Yeah. And so you mentioned hallucinogenics, that this is not usually involved. Do some people participate in hallucinogenics? We don't serve hallucinogenics medicine. So let's say ayahuasca, for example, right? Right. Ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic medicine, yes. right? Yeah. Um, ayahuasca, in reality, should never be served outside of Peru. Okay. Okay. 95% of the people, probably more, but let's say 95% of the people who serve ayahuasca outside of Peru do not have the right training, oh. do not know where the medicine is coming. The medicine should always be cooked by the ayahuasquero himself. The ayahuasquero needs to go through a series of years of uh, plant medicine dietas, and, and it is such a strict guideline with the Amazonian tradition, and so it should never be done outside of Peru. Matter of fact, Anyone that wants to do uh, ayahuasca with me, we bring them to Peru in the right setting oh. with the right people and so on and so forth. Ayahuasca and Wachuma are two means for the same end, but they're two different teachers and they work very differently. I see. Okay? So um, ayahuasca is very, very intricate and has very small room for error and has very little room for adjusting, it's very strict. And so, unfortunately, we live in a time where ayahuasca has been bastardized and it is now on people's bucket lists and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but if someone wants to do, and that's my recommendation, um, if you want to, and you, you feel called by ayahuasca, and hopefully the call is not coming through someone that told you about it but really something that you feel like okay i need a more and i think that might be it um travel to peru do your research because even peru right now right the times are changing the elders are going out yes right the elders are are now slowly slowly getting too old or passing on and so now you have a a new kind of um um category of people coming in and this one here is very compelling and um and so we want to be mindful we want to know where the person has learned from who has been initiated by is there proof of any of that um what are the values what are the uh, you know all of those things of this particular person um so yeah very important to do your your research because a, a, a shamanic experience of this caliber, Wachuma, Peyote, Ayahuasca, um, extremely powerful and can be extremely dangerous. I see. So you want to be you want to be mindful. It's not a thing you want to do on your couch or surrounded by no. people and listen to a um, you know sound list and yeah. music uh, playlist and sure. stuff like that. It's archaic. It's powerful and needs to be done in the yeah. right way.
Yeah. Rodolfo, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in that field for some time. Uh, do you have a story about bullying, maybe yourself or one of your your followers, where mindfulness would have made a difference if it had been handled differently? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. I can't personally say that I was, I guess, there were a few kids in the family where I grew up and stuff, you know, you come in as this, this kid and, 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 you know, you want to try to play with the other kids' games and whatever, but I, I can't, I can't really say my life was, was a kind of, um, kind of, um, there was much bullying going on. I believe obviously I had sexual abuse and, you know, that's kind of like a form of being taken over by someone yeah, else. Right. Um, so it's a great question. So in shamanism, in, in Indian shamanism, compared to, and this will make sense at the end of this. So Indian shamanism, very different to Amazonian shamanism. The reason is one, it's like, um, how should I say that without offending anyone? It's just me making an example. Christianity and Buddhism, okay? Jesus will solve you of your of your God will solve you of your of your mistakes and everything if you repent. Mm -hmm. The Buddha said there's none of that. If you have done bad, your karma is there. You will have to pay it off. Period. There's mm -hmm. nobody coming saving. In shamanism, very similar. The Amazonian tradition. If you have, let's say, a bad energy, or you feel like maybe you have been cursed, or you have an illness, or whatever that you believe came from outside, or whatever, you go to an Amazonian shaman, and he will make a ritual where he will try to take this thing off of you. Okay, mm -hmm. what that what that does is it takes away the power of you, and you always uh, will grow up and keep living, believing that there is not enough power within you to turn something around. Right. In Indian trauma tradition, is very different. If you would go to some to a curandero, so let's say me or 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 um, my teacher or anyone practicing Indian shamanism, and you come with, hey, you know, I think I have a bad injury, maybe a curse, maybe something. The question they would ask you in return would be, what have you done to attract that into your life? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's that taking responsibility. Okay, for me, my sexual abuse as a kid, I dragged that on for 30 years mm -hmm. because I believed I was responsible for it because I didn't do anything. Right. And so I, I bet myself down for 30 years of my life, believing I would never be a man. I will never be able to um, protect my woman. I would never be able to protect myself and so on and so forth because I should have done that at 11 when that happened to me, right? Right. What happened, and there is the mindfulness part, the realization of truth, meaning I did not stand a chance. And I have to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that moment of recognizing that was the moment I was able to forgive me for having dragged myself for 30 years, believing into, um, you know, being responsible for something I wasn't. And so in the bullying part, I could, if I would, you know, share a phrase, a lot of time with the bullying part, you know, the belief is you're not good in yours, you're stupid, you're this, you're that, whatever the bully wants to make you believe, correct? Mm -hmm. And there is that moment where we got to go back to truth 
and go through that process and say, hey, you know, this is not what it is. You know, the, the moment of mindfulness is recognizing truth. They're recognizing staying present right here, right now. Okay, yes, my sexual abuse in my case happened at 11. My parents gave me away when I was six months old. But why am I still paying at 41 in my garage trying to kill myself? Why am I still paying for that? Right. So now I'm not condoning what anyone did to me. But now I have to take responsibility for having kept myself in that place as an adult, you know? Right. Often when people hear that, it's like, whoa, that's, well, no, 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 it's not my fault. And it's that I totally understand it's not our fault. But right. if our life is not the way we want it to be as an adult, not as a kid, as a kid, there's nothing we can do. But as an adult, now we have to look at, it, at the truth and say, you know what, I am responsible for the way I am here. And right. I can, and I have the tools, and I can do whatever it takes or find the help um, to get myself moving forward. Right. And I think that's what mindfulness is about, right? Yeah. It's yeah. understanding. It's like, I am mindful of what is going on right now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Rodolfo, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that has been a powerful inspiration to you on this life's journey? My wife. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. And you said her name was Grace, I think, didn't you? Grace. Yeah, yeah. Grace. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. My second question is about emotions and how mindfulness and the work that you've done has helped you deal with your emotions differently. Wow. Um, I love to feel. Mm. I was a man who never felt. Man, don't cry. I think yeah. I was 41 or 42 when I cried. You know, so mindfulness allows you to feel yeah. and to stay with it, to hang out with it. Right. Hang out with yourself. Uh, I think it's very powerful. Yeah, for very sure. Very grateful for that. Let's talk about breathing. We haven't talked about that. Do you have any techniques or any special focus on breathing that you do to help you on this mindfulness journey? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually do breath work every morning. I do five rounds and and I, I use Wim Hof's method. Um, so not my method, not any, not any fancy kind of method, simple. Uh, breathing in, breathing out by by under the guidance of Wim Hof. So, you know, um, free app on on uh, on Apple, whatever, and everywhere else. Check yeah. it out; it's amazing. Five minutes, uh, sorry, five round of that takes me usually. Um, I don't know, maybe half an hour or something like that. You know, you, you even burn, you know, I'm around 130 calories in that, you know, by being mindful and breathing, you even burn calories. Oh, so yeah, I, I love it. I, it's part of my everyday, everyday practice for that's, sure. That's fantastic. Now you have a couple of books available. I know Finding Clarity in Midlife. And you can find that at findingclarityinmidlife.com. You also have theancientceremoniesway.com. Are there any other books you would recommend that have helped you on your mindfulness journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Oh, okay. That is, yeah. On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Um, and another really great book. I only, I only, um, 
read that recently because it is a, a, a new book. It's by a by um by a guy by the name of Johan Hari, and um and the book is called Lost Connection. So if you suffer from anxiety, depression, or anything of the kind, read read that book. It's a really really enlightening book. Um, it's um it's not you know. Ruru or anything like that. It's literally a scientific book, very well written, very simple written, but with very, very powerful um, things in there that really gets you to understand, oh, okay, that's where this is coming from. And then you can literally um, take the steps to get out of an, uh, of that place of despair. So a brilliant, brilliant book. I think it's one of the books I give a lot to my clients. Those two books I, I give away a lot to my clients. Um, Seneca's on the shortness of life is literally a tiny little book. I don't even know if it's 60 pages and it's literally a pocket book. Um, so powerful. I wish I read that earlier because it says one of the passages in this is no matter under what sky you travel, you always travel with yourself. And um, and I guess if I if I read that earlier, I wouldn't have I would have probably made the move from Europe to Australia for a different reason because I would have already known oh shoot if I take myself over there I'm coming with but um it's a really powerful really really beautiful book by Seneca that talks about you know um life and 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 the time we spend and how oftentimes we do we do spend that time perhaps not not for our own benefit but yeah I absolutely recommend those two books right awesome well you already mentioned an app you already mentioned the wim hof app for breathing so we'll yeah. put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com so as we wrap up the interview rodolfo do you have any final words of advice for our listeners today no matter what you're going through no matter what no matter how tough it looks like no matter how how tough it feels no matter how deep down you are, there's only one you. There's only one of you. And if we thrive to wanting to be different than who we are, we will not get up. We will not be able to get up. The moment we embrace that person, the person who maybe has fallen, the moment we embrace that person and say, you know what? Yeah, I am right here. Mindfulness again, right? Mindfulness, be present, understand what is going on. Don't try to be different. One of the little exercises I can give you to do is imagine you have a white flower or you have a red flower. Mm -hmm. And now I ask you, uh, could you please choose one? Would you choose red or would you choose white? What would you say, Bruce? I'll choose red. Awesome. If if I give you white, what 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 would happen? What was what would the reaction be instinctively? If you gave me white instead of red? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I would still be grateful. I would sure. still be grateful uh, for that, and I would think, okay, this was meant to be. I was meant to have absolutely. this white one. Absolutely. Most people, what do you think they would do? They would be angry that you didn't give them the one you wanted, or they absolutely. they wanted, yeah. Absolutely. And now if I ask you to see the flower, not the color, to see the essence, not the color. Now it doesn't matter what color that is, because no. if you see the essence, the truth, it's a flower, right. it's energy, it's what you see. So going back to our own life and despair, 
if we want the despair, the anxiety, the depression, whatever we're going through to be different than what it is, mm-hmm. now you're going to be angry. Now you're going to be resentful. Now you'll be in grief. Now you'll be clenching. And inside of you, it will be a war. I say that because I've been there. But if we understand what that is, it's just is. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no left. There's no right. There's no good. There's no bad. It just is. As we call it, non-duality. Now we have truth. Okay, this is what it is. Great. What do I want to do with this? What can I... One of the words I always ask myself, for example, 2018, my wife is diagnosed with cancer. And we lose a seven-figure business with 42 staff. We have to let everybody go home. My question, go-to question is, why is this perfect for me now? Mm. So again, right, your show is freaking amazing. Mindfulness. I can wish it didn't happen, but why is it perfect? This is what it is. I can't change this. And so why is this perfect for me now? And then find that answer, the true answer, not the one that you wish you was, but the true answer. And you do that, you can get out of any black hole. And you know, oftentimes people say the light at the end of the tunnel is, is an illusion. Mm. The reality is the tunnel is the illusion, oh, not the light. Right. Right. That's that's really, really cool. Well, Rodolfo, thank you so much for being a guest on Mindfulness Mode. I really appreciate the work you do, and I just am so grateful. So thank you, and uh, you take care of yourself. Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate you for giving me the time, and um, I'm extremely mindful and grateful for you. Thank you so much, and to your audience. Thank you. Bye now. God bless. Bye-bye. Mindful Tribe, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.